you're listening to The Enlightened Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane, and I'm a gentle chiropractor, holistic counsellor, energetic worker, intuitive guide, and yoga and meditation teacher. I'm the host and creator of The Enlightened Podcast, and I'll be bringing you stories of resilience, consciousness, healing, the human experience, and just how trauma, loss, and grief can shape us to be more compassionate and more empathetic human beings than ever before. These stories are for the highly sensitives, the empaths, and those wanting to hear a unique approach to holistic health. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Enlightened Podcast and I'm Dr. Sarah Jane Cairo and today we have a really, really special guest that I'm so excited to have on board and it's actually someone who I met last year at um, an event called the Lightworkers event. I think a previous guest of mine I had met there too, Ashley Bell. Um, so I met Tess at this same event and when I met her, she is seriously one of the most humble and beautiful humans on the inside and out that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. So I thought I had to ask her to come on today and it's no other than Tess Shanahan. She's joining me today. She's a model presenter, co-founder of this new app called the Niblet app and also the founder of Tess Talks Official, which I'm proud to say that I've been part of at times as well. And most importantly, the owner of her gorgeous doggo, Dexie. So welcome, Tess. Thanks for having me. What a beautiful <laughs> intro. Thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> it was so funny because when I met you, I'm like, I feel like I've met this girl before. Like maybe it was part, I don't know, past life or something. And then I was like, no, I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> oh, no, it's just that, that social media chestnut <laughs> that happens to all of us these days. <laughs> I was she looks so familiar. <laughs> I love that. I have to say, though, I did see you for the first time. Got a very lovely presence from you. Instantly felt like I knew you. So, oh, well, maybe we did. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Another, another time. It's all but... possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything. I guess you would have believed me if I told you what the world was going to be like this time next year. If I spoke to you then, no one would have believed what's totally. going on. Totally. should never say never. Anything is possible. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So maybe just give everyone a little brief intro about you and who you are and what you do and, yeah, just so they have an idea about what guest I have on today. Yeah, well, um, I'm a Melbourne-based model and presenter um, is my main kind of gig, but I've got a couple of my own <clears throat> side projects. So as you mentioned, Test Talks Official, which uh, started as a blog online many years ago and then it developed into a series of events where I just invite professionals in uh, in their fields to come and speak about topics that I thought were really important to uh, the collective or to the individual, kind of exactly like what you do, just have a platform to host really nourishing um, conversations. So yeah, that's that's my little passion project. And then I also launched an app last year called Niblet, um, which recommends places to eat based on your dietary. So yeah, I'm a bit of a foodie. That is where it started. <laughs> um, but yeah, that it kind of just formed into into yeah personalized recommendations for for people with dietaries. It's so amazing that because when I saw it, I was like, well, how has no one come up with this before? Like it's insane. So yeah. I think it's such a good idea and because there's nothing worse than if you do have those dietary requirements and, you know, you're out or in maybe a location you haven't been before or 
or whatever and not know where to go to eat. And so I think it's really beneficial. And especially when you travel and, you know, so many people go through um, different diets or have different allergies or restrictions these days. And, you know, I don't have any specific intolerance, but, um, you know, at the moment I'm being really conscious about health and and things. So I've cut out um, dairy and gluten for a while. So, you know, we change and we adapt over time. And so it's it's great that you can always go back to this and, and find some new places that will be tailoring to whatever you need or your friends need. Yeah, I love it. Mm. I love it. Thank you. Well, I, <laughs> I was reading your um, website prior to this mm. and it says that there are four words that you use to describe yourself and they are spiritual, adventurous, um, well, more words than four, but <laughs> having a life full of celebrations is something that's really important to you. Yeah. And amazing food, obviously, that we just found out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why did you choose these words on your website? Like why spiritual? Why adventurous? Why, why celebrations? Why yeah. food? Well, I think life is a celebration and it's easy to get too serious about it all. I think we need to keep remembering that, you know, celebration is what brings joy and that's why we're here and to experience. And so it's really important to me. I love celebrating. I'm very social, love being with my friends and having a party or going out for dinner and enjoying amazing food, which I think is such an important part of life. You know, it's such a shame that restaurants have been closed for so long and and need my fix. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, spirituality is an interesting one but it's it's something that I guess I've kind of grown up with parents who have been always quite open-minded and delved into a lot of different um practices and and beliefs and teachings so I've kind of always grown up around it and I feel like from a young age I developed a sense of what spirituality meant to me I think it can mean a lot of different things for many people um but I've kind of always fallen back on different practices or spiritual practices over the years and so I feel like it's really helped form and shape who I am as a person and how I get through life and life's ups and downs and ebbs and flows so yeah always really come back to my spiritual practices it's a really um defined part of me um so yeah that's that's why I felt that was the need to to have that word there and and adventurous too, you know, again, I think life is there to be lived and it's easy to get caught up in the uh, societal norms of nine to five or whatnot, but I never want to lose the ability to go out and explore the world around us, a beautiful, amazing world, how much it has to offer, what nature has to show us and what we can learn and what we can experience. And I think that's just so important. That's the whole point of living to me. Mm. I actually didn't know that your parents were quite open-minded and kind of influenced you in terms of your spirituality I did not know that yeah very very much so I I even started studying um, at an ashram or my mum was studying at an ashram just basically where a guru or a swami talks and you do meditation and chanting and stuff from the age of seven Um, yeah yeah so I I was delved in pretty young I didn't quite fully understand what it all was back then but I absolutely loved going um learned to meditate there quite quite early on um my parents had also studied uh Chinese medicine for a little bit in China when I was about five so we were in China for a few months um so they've always been very interested in different things and I don't think they've ever taken one thing for gospel necessarily but it's been about experiencing and learning so many different teachings and beliefs it's kind of formed how they are and I've really taken that 
with me through my life, um, you know, that's really what spirituality is to me. It's about finding what works for you. I think the thing with a lot of religions per se is that it's really like you need to live your life this way and you need to abide by these rules in order to reach your sense of enlightenment or connection with God or happiness or whatever it is that you're after. But for me personally, I think it's about you know, everyone's their own individual person and it's about finding what things work for you to make you most connected to yourself, to make you succeed, feel happy, feel enlightened, whatever it is. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of what's really, really formed it for me. That's so amazing. I, I love that and it just shows how, you know, um, how children are so shapeable and how, you know, you can teach them things that can really last a lifetime for them. Doesn't you it? know, mm. it's it's so amazing. I, I had no idea. See, I'm yeah. going to that too. Um, there you go. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to an ashram. I actually have never, well, I've never been to one in the sense of being part of it and, you know, done like a Vipassana or anything like that. It's actually yeah. on, on my list of things to Me do when, once yeah. we can yeah maybe we can go together I know there's one in Dalesford or something oh, but I'd we... love to do a Vipassana one day when I <laughs> when I feel the courage <laughs> I know we'll do it together and just silently stare at each yeah. other for 10 days 10 days of silence <laughs> my, my best friend once said to me she's like I just don't understand why you would do that it sounds like torture is that Sarah? No, it's another one. girlfriend, Jessie. Like, the one who loves to talk most. She's like, why would you do that to yourself? I'm like, I know it sounds crazy, but it's good for the soul, I promise. It has to be because it's, it's one of the things that is on my list and the reason being is I know how difficult it will be for me, which I think means that I know that it's something that I need to do. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just to sit with myself you know, for 10 days yeah. with no, because you and I both obviously communicate and talk a lot yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, so I just think it would be so amazing. So that's it. I'm holding you to that. Yeah, We're going to one one day. Do it. Yeah. I'm doing it. Um, in terms of spiritual practices now, so obviously you were saying you, you learned meditation and things from a certain, an early age and um, I guess was exposed to uh well, not just spirituality, but many different views or many different religious views or mm. um, philosophies in your life. What are some of those spiritual practices that you at least utilize now? Like what still works for you? Yeah, well, meditation has definitely been something that's been prevalent in my life since being a teenager. But I have, you know, dropped in and out of my practice, you know, consistently over the years. Um, but I've always come back to it as an anchor. And I used to kind of beat myself up a bit about the fact that I would drop in and out. And I used to really think, you know, if you're someone who meditates, you should be really good at it and you should be practicing every day and those kinds of, um, those kinds of thought processes. But then one day I was like, no, you know what? Like your spiritual journey is constantly a growth and a development. And we live in a society where, you know, sometimes we have to prioritize other things. So that's just the world we live in. And it's so okay to drop in and out of practices, but know that you've got that anchor to fall back on. So um, for me, meditation has been key. This year has been a great time to really maintain and get my routine up and running again, but also finding what kind of meditation works for you is really important so for me I think because of what I'm used to from going to the ashram I love having a mantra um so that's something that you just a, a phrase that you just repeat over in your mind um to really help yeah center yourself and have that anchor point 
Um, but, you know, there are so many different types, whether it's, you know, um, breath work or, or guided or whatever it is. Um, so meditation for me has been good and it takes time again to fall back into really the deep form of the practice for me. Like if I have dropped out of it for a little bit, it will take me some time to get back to that point where I'll wake up in the morning and be like, I really want to meditate because I really know that I'll reap the benefits from it. Sometimes I feel like it can be harder to get back into that point, especially if you've been going through stressful times or you've been used to running around a lot or whatever it is. So I think always just being kind and gentle and allowing yourself just the time to fall back into it. Um, Self-inquiry is something I learned at a young age as well, like taking time to um, check in with your different like chakra points or different points of the body to really slow down and say, okay, where am I feeling tension or angst or unease right now? So, you know, if I'm ever going through a stressful point in my life or I'm struggling to make a decision on something, I'll just really sit and like check in with myself and go through, you know, maybe the main points so it's my head, my throat, my heart, and my stomach and say, okay, where is the feeling sitting? Where do I feel tense? Um, and yeah, just taking time out to check in. I think that self-inquiry has been really important and it does also help for me to make decisions. I kind of slow down and be like, hey, where where do I kind of visualise or see this decision um, falling into? What what part of the body does it feel most settled when I, you know, compare all the all the options? So um, yeah, they're probably, you know, two of the bigger ones, but then I mean, there's a lot of smaller ones that have been really good for me recently, like journaling has been quite powerful for me this year. I've gotten into a much more regular habit of journaling and I've just found it so, um, it's provided so much more clarity to me, just like getting my thoughts out. It's so easy to get trapped in your head and, and end up in a loop of thoughts and journaling has just been such a great way to to get all of those thoughts on paper and reflect and go back. It was so funny. I picked up my journal the other day and I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's almost full. And I went back to the start and I was like, oh, my God, I started this journal in April. (laughs) (laughs) I had so much to write about. (laughs) Oh, God, there must be a lot going on in that brain of yours. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say two weeks ago. ago I mean, the journal's not small. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. I think, though, what you brought up is so important in terms of meditation as well. So I'm a meditation teacher and I remember when doing my course, it was very, very, I guess, they were quite strict, for a better word, Mm. um, on saying that it needed to be a a twice-a-day practice minimum, like minimum 20 minutes a day, twice a day. Mm. And it just is look as beneficial as that definitely is I couldn't commit myself to do that Mm. I I knew as soon as they told me that that was the time frames that you needed to get the most out of meditation or that's how it was perceived Mm. I just said to myself well I can't there's no way I'm going to be able to do that twice a day and 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 do it without guilt as well was really challenging for me like when I'd wake up in the morning and try to do my 20 minutes I'd be like oh but I've got to do this and I haven't done the dishes yet or I haven't done yeah. you know I haven't put the wash on or you know there's just always something to be done and I would find it really hard to be in the present moment twice a day so yeah. and I I'm think very it, similar to you. it also comes back to a point where then it, it feels like it's just another a box to, to tick on your to-do list 
And when it gets to that point, it's like, well, hang on, this is kind of missing the whole point of meditation. It's, it's, you want to be in that point where you're like excited to just slow down and really enjoy it. But when it feels like a chore and a task, like that's not what you want. Mm. I'd never really thought of it like that mm. because yeah, I think definitely because I'm like you, I do go into it where I'll go in that routine again for a while and then mm. I'll kind of go out of it and then I might've done it once that week or, you know, I've done yoga instead and had Shavasana instead. So I've used that as kind of my meditation form or whatever it might be. So mm. I'm very, you know, fluid with mine as well, but yeah, yeah I never had kind of thought of it like that, that that's okay. Yeah. Even for me still, I'm like, Oh, you, you, you know, you need to do it the right way you're not getting everything out of it and because I am that kind of personality I'm like well you're you're not doing it right then totally yeah we can be so quick to be hard on ourselves and then it's like well what's the point you know just just enjoy do what's right for you you know who who are you trying to impress you know yeah (laughs) yeah And I think in this, maybe in this current world or in the Western world generally, maybe that that idea wasn't necessarily catered to the environment that we're currently living in now. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, we're in such a fast, fast world mm-hmm. that, you know, especially as women, we have so many things that we're doing. We're working, we're, we've got home things to look after, people have children, people, you know, exactly. people have dogs, you know. <laughs> yes. So, Fair mummers. Exactly, the fur mummers. Yeah. So there's a lot of, lot of you know, things. And that's not to say it's not a priority. It definitely is a priority. Your health and wellness and well-being should definitely be a priority. But like you said, you don't want it to be on there just as another box to tick or another way of um, yeah. self-sabotaging yourself or another opportunity to speak ne- negatively to yourself because exactly. you haven't done this thing. Exactly. And it's like with anything. Like I know a lot of people who are very hard on themselves are being, about being like a strict vegan. Like you're only a vegan if you're 100% a vegan. And I'm like, well, I actually think that you could be a vegan 90% of the time and you're still doing amazing things for the environment, environment. still for your body. You know, meat can be quite um, tough to to digest if you're having a lot of it. You know, all the little things, they're still adding up. It doesn't always have to be so black and white, yes or no, right or wrong, you know. Mm, It's kind of we have this all for nothing approach with things sometimes, don't we? Yeah. yeah, no, I loved that. I loved mm. that. In terms of journaling, I must admit I'm not much of a journaler, which people get surprised <laughs> at. Like I do have a diary like with my, you know, calendars and, and things yes. like that in it and I do write things out in that. But I don't have a consistent journaling practice. But you're the third person I've had this week say that they do journaling. So I might really? I might look into it. Yeah, well, you know what? It took me many years to start doing it regularly. I think I've started to journal about five times and I maybe got about six pages in and then I never picked it up again so I don't know it just kind of randomly fell into place for me this year um and now I really like I love it so maybe whenever it just happens for you you might love it sometimes you might start it and be like no I'm not about this now (laughs) too much other stuff to do (laughs) and that's okay too but yeah Yeah. I think I might might look at that so thank you and I just yeah I really enjoy listening to that and, and self-inquiry. Yeah, I will. <laughs> self-inquiry is is so important as well, you know, that, that moment of introspection into yourself and mm. knowing who you are as well and you kind of do need that stillness or at least that ability to find that place within yourself to get those answers or to get that clarity. And mm. I think, you know, especially with coronavirus at the moment, a lot of people are having that opportunity 
to not be distracted and mm. to sit with themselves and to kind of develop that relationship that maybe they hadn't had with themselves prior. Exactly. And I think it also, that slowing down moment also helps for us to listen to our intuition a bit more. You know, everyone's got an intuition. I just don't think we always really allow ourselves to listen to it and to be heard. And so when we take those moments out, it's like, yeah, the little birdie starts to come in being like, you know, I can hear my intuition speaking to me through my stomach or whatever it is, Um, which again brings back some more clarity. Mm. So obviously you're a model. Anyone who knows that, so beautiful. So when did you start modeling and and how did you do you think it's still part of your purpose here on earth and especially being quite spiritual and and in that kind of world they're quite different I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. How how do you kind of function within that world or is it changing and is it becoming a little bit more inclusive in that way or mm. yeah Well, I started modeling when I was 14, I got signed. So quite young. My mom, who was a model in Germany when she was in her 20s. um, So it kind of always been on the radar that it might've been something I would do because I was born with extremely long limbs. (laughs) It was like (laughs) model legs, (laughs) make the catwalk. So I was quite young, um, but it fell into it quite naturally. I loved having, um, I loved working. I just really loved working while I was at school. I was always ready to jump jump out of school and you know start on with life and get it going um and so it's felt like you know it's really been you know home for me as a job for for so long um it is interesting like going forward like I think I am so used to it that I will always kind of have it there for as long as I can but what it's done is allowed for me to use it and with social media these days as well as a platform for really sharing the things that I'm really passionate about. So modeling has developed into having more of a social media presence and also getting into presenting and hosting. And that's what's allowed me to create test talks and hold space and conversation. That's really important. So that's kind of where I've seen the trajectory go for me. Um, you know, it is a very interesting world and it can be very confronting for a lot of people in it, you know, cause it is very um, based around your appearance and the physical And to be honest, most females that I know who have gone through it have suffered some kind of impact, negative impact from it, even if it's just been a short phase of their career or if it's kind of stuck with them the whole time through because you're so constantly having to be fixated on how you look and that can really affect your headspace. And I feel so privileged and grateful and lucky that I had some tools from a young age to kind of pick up on those things when they were when they were happening and being like okay no that's someone else's agenda you know that's someone else's opinion about me and I was able to never really take on board comments that might have come from agents overseas or my agents here or from a client on a job or get two in my head about when someone is critiquing a photo at me I've got a team of people looking at a photo of me maybe even this young 16 year old you know I'd remember a computer screen of a photo up and you'd have you know five people looking and pointing and commenting on different things and it's very easy to be like oh no they're they're judging me um, but obviously there's a whole array of things they're looking at but you really need to have something to ground yourself on and be like no this is me and I love me and I'm happy with me as I am and that can be quite difficult um 
to hold on to but I have to say yeah the, the, the things that I guess you know some of the the ways my parents raised me really helped to solidify that in me so I never had an issue per se as that, that stuff really affecting me so I'm very grateful for that there's no doubt you know things come up and we've all got our our um insecurities and stuff but just coming back to that place of no I love myself for who I am and I'm okay with me and I'm okay with appreciating and realizing that my body will change and it will be different at different points in my life and that's all okay I think it was especially prevalent for me when um I came off the contraceptive pill a few years ago Mm. and my skin completely went haywire and I still haven't fully gotten on top of it and you know that's that completely affects my career and, and what I do and and my um, yeah, my mental state, my confidence. And of course it's been extremely challenging at times, but just keep coming back to like, what is really authentically important to you? And if other people judge you or have things to say about you, well, then that's their problem. But you know, we're all human. We all go through these different experiences. So just write it out, you know, and that's what I always try and hold on to. Yeah, no, that's really insightful because I think, you know, it is an industry that is renowned for physical appearance. Like you said, mm-hmm. that's what that's what a model is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you actually are pretty much getting paid for what you look like in clothes or how you can promote or market a brand and mm. um, they, they can be quite specific about what they're looking for or not looking for and to not take that in terms of a personalisation yeah. I can imagine would be quite challenging, especially for... Really? In that world, you are quite young when you do start usually, so you don't have that, you know, that anchor or that, um, I guess, the maturity to be able to understand the industry that you're in at times when yes. it is so focused on that. I I won my first modelling contract at 17 and yes, I, yes but I'm 100 times shorter than you <laughs> and I blame my mum because I was two months premature so I think if I had it been clipped a little bit longer, then, then just maybe I legs would have been, been drawn right out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't wear heels when I go out, so that's probably the, the benefit that you get out of that. Otherwise, I tower over everyone in the room. <laughs> and I remember it was actually for China that I won it because it didn't matter your height in that instance. Ah, interesting. Um, yeah, so there was about five of the girls that won it. But then they said to me I had to lose weight so that I could fit into oh, the um, clothes over oh. there. And I was only young. I think they wanted me to lose about, I think I was around 48 kilos at the time, so I'm not sure what they wanted me to get down to. But I can understand you have to be able to fit into the design sizes. You know, yeah. yeah. But my mum's like, nope, she's not doing that. We don't want the good honour. But the, I mean, yeah. even in that, hey, like what a what a watch thing to have to say to a 17-year-old, like you must lose weight. You know, it's pretty yeah. extreme sometimes um, and it can be really difficult to have the confidence to just say no or think, okay, well, that's, the, that's where I want to go. Like I want that gig, so I'm going to have to do it. And look, sometimes in the industry, unfortunately, you do, but I think overall we have to remember that we have our own voice and be like, you know what, that doesn't sit right with me and I'm actually just going to say no because that's not right for my body. Well, I didn't want to say no, Tess. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to go. Because like, I, I always wanted to do acting and modelling. I loved it all, but mm. I never got too much um, modelling stuff just because obviously height was an issue. So I'd only yeah. ever get kind of commercial things you know Mm -hmm. so this was my first opportunity where I would ever be able to do something like that Mm. but mum was like no you don't need to 
I don't want you um, becoming unhealthy. You're very thin mm. as it is, like naturally, mind you, um, and I don't want to place you in that position. And then when I won a pageant of, I don't know, I think about five years, maybe not even four years later, I won Bartercard Miss V8 Supercar for Victoria. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> and they used to send a group of girls to do the Bartercard V8 Supercars in their China round. And I thought, this is it. This is when I'm, I'm this going. This is my chance. <laughs> my chance. And then they said they were only taking blondes that year and my hair oh, was brown. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I'm a blonde. I'm a blonde. I'll do anything. <laughs> So I've, I've never been able to live out my dreams. Interesting. One day, One day it'll happen. It's always time, hey? <laughs> Except for the fact I'm old now, but maybe. maybe There's always day. market for it. <laughs> There's some other old lady out there who would want to me, so it's fine. But I thought that was that's so funny. But hilarious? Yeah. All because of my height. How dare they? So, got to trust the universe. It all happened for a reason. Different, different <laughs> path to be on. <laughs> Go well, with that. Actually, it, it did because, you know, the promo modelling, although it's definitely not the same industry as your modelling, it, it, I made a lot of friends and I got to experience so many things. And it actually did the opposite for me than what a lot of other people would think. It, it actually gave me more confidence. Um it made me more comfortable in who I was and some of the, yeah, some of the nicest people I met with are still friends this day who I met from when I was doing promo modelling in those years. Oh, I love that. That makes me so happy. I think a bit of the, the stigma of modelling as well has changed a little bit over the years. Maybe it's more so prevalent in Australia, but it used to have the reputation of being quite a bitchy industry. Um, but I've just had such overall with most people, such a wonderful experience, beautiful friends made out of it and, and connections, just like, you know, any other job, you know, I think these days it's like any other job you might, you know, meet people you don't like and you meet people you do like, that's just the nature of it. So I think, yeah, a lot of that classic stigma has faded over the years, which is really great. Mm, Yeah. I really loved it. I actually think it helped change my life for the better. I don't think I'd be, um, the person I am today, if I hadn't had some of those, you know, fun experiences going around that. the country and meeting all these girls and we just, yeah, they were the loveliest people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just wanted to put that out there that the world isn't exactly, you know, it's not everything that you think it is. Exactly. It some, I love that. There's some positives as well. Yeah. And I was also reading a bit about you in terms of preparing for this talk so that it wasn't just a conversation you and I usually have. So. <laughs> yeah. Thought, there's going to be some structure to it, maybe. So <laughs> kind of um, and I was reading also that your motto is, you know, transform now, avoid the rush later. And yeah. how can we help ourselves transform? And what do you mean by avoiding the rush later? What do these words kind of mean to you? Why is oh, it your motto? Interesting. It was a quote I heard when I was quite young from my mum's best friend. And I was like, oh, I don't really get it. What does this mean to me? Um, but it really stuck with me. And I think it for me what it meant is that a lot of us end up on some form of self-development journey at some point. And I think once we finally hit that point and we find it, we're like, oh, where has this been? I feel when you really get deep into it, like this is amazing and you start shifting things, you become more aware of things. And when you hit that moment, it's like, yes, where has this been all my life? And so I think it's like when that, when that, idea sprouts into your mind it's like take it go transform ride with it instead of avoiding it and putting it off and being like oh I'll look into that later and I think the avoiding the rush later part is I think it's something that most people are going to want to do at some point so 
don't don't wait for it just dive in deep and I think it's really prevalent this year as well um, because there is such a shift in so many ways across the planet I think in so many more ways than a lot of us even um, can kind of comprehend on and on such deep levels and the planet is going through a huge transformation and and it's so awful all the horrible stuff that's going on but it's also I think we've needed some form of 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 something like this to happen for us to actually kind of wake up a little bit and be like all right what wasn't working what wasn't working Mm. in our lives what systems were not working what were we neglecting um in the environment and mother nature what what do we need to do now to transform and it's like this transformation process is really happening at the forefront of everything right now and I think it's great that everyone is now slowly yeah tapping into it and uh and yeah and I think it's just going to keep happening so I think the rush will still keep happening I think a big I think so so much more awareness has happened this year anyway of just a personal awareness and awareness about what the world needs from us and how we need to go about living to have a better functioning society and globe so um yeah, it kind of all rolls back into one, but on a on a personal level and a collective level. But it always really stuck with me that line. Mm. It's almost like we got a really bad tarot card spread, like we got the tower or something. Currently, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's, it's all crumbling, all you know? happening. I mean, my housemate and best friend Sarah and I were just reflecting the other day that the bushfires in Australia were only five, five, six months ago. You know, it feels like, you know, so much has happened since then. And this year has just been full of so much. It's mind boggling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, at least nature in that sense has had an opportunity to regain somewhat of itself without us ruining it in any way. Exactly. Um, I'm hoping. But, you know, sometimes we need these things to be a catalyst for for change and I guess Mm. I'm just hoping that you know people don't rush back to the old ways still like I'm hoping people have learnt you know what not to necessarily take for granted what actually is meaningful in their lives what actually is purposeful what have they been wasting time on or energy on that's not even Mm. you know ultimately worth it you know I really really hope so as well and I think it will also help if you know some of the bigger organizations can really start to take that into consideration about maybe even starting on on the level of how we structure our work weeks you know that nine to five mentality of everyone rushing to the office by nine and being stuck in traffic and then the same at 5 p.m you know, it, it takes so much time out of our lives and it adds so much extra stress. And even just little shifts like that, if, if you know, bigger companies and organisations can start to be more accepting of the fact that, you know, productivity has been incredible this year for most businesses. It's still been there with people working from home. Um, so, yeah, having that assistance, hopefully, from people who are in those positions to make those decisions, hopefully that'll, that'll happen and then start to infiltrate down so people can keep, you know, a bit more of this balance. Mm, and it just proves that it, it's possible, you know. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of companies would have said, no, no, we, we couldn't do that. It wouldn't work. And then when you're forced into the situation, um, sometimes you realise, oh, hang on, this actually 
is more beneficial to the company and, and people have really, well, not everyone obviously, but yeah. some people have worked from home have really enjoyed working from home and prefer it and, yeah. you know, we don't have to do everything just because that's the way it's been done. We don't have to exactly. continue to do that. Yeah, so just because we've lived I'm a certain way doesn't mean it's the best way or the right way, you know. Exactly. We need to be open exactly. to change, continual change and improvement, very important. Transformation. <laughs> Transformation, that's it. Exactly. And... On that note, I just wanted to talk a little bit about test talks. Yeah. Um, and we recently did a little chat about talking, I think we were talking about coping with change and uncertainty. I think that's what we were talking about, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Can you give everyone an idea about, I guess, why you started them and what they are exactly and how people can find out a bit more about them? I'm, I'm assuming it's because blogs were becoming you know, it's a different form of blog. It's a bit, it's one that people can be a little bit more involved in or can actually watch it on, you know, their screen and have a bit more of a life to it. Is that why you decided to do that? Or Yeah, you- well, last year it was more so events and it had just, we'd had about five or six events, but they'd more been invite only and then we, I'd slowly started opening them up to the public, um, which was getting really great, a really great response. Um, but then obviously this year happened um, with COVID and everything, so for a second, I was going to put it on the back burner for a little bit. And then I was like, oh, hang on, this is the time that people really want to be hearing this information, you know. Um, so I quickly pivoted just into doing um, Facebook Lives and then um, also uploading them as um, IGTVs and just speaking to some people who I thought had really valuable, interesting um, things to say and, and conversations to be had. Um, you know, a podcast is also something on the forefront of my on my idea list, but not quite there yet. Well, at some point that might come. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just been a really nice way to keep the conversations going and people can be engaged and people can comment and write in suggestions. And, uh, you know, I've just recently started deciding to work on the the Instagram of Test Talks official a bit more and get the blog back up and running and really sharing the things that are working so well for me at the moment, um, whether it's, you know, health and nutrition stuff or, you know, there's the different spiritual practices or great books or, or documentaries or podcasts that I've been listening to and just really getting that like nourishing information out there. Um, you know, I think, yeah, it's just so there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there, but I really want to present stuff that's going to hopefully really resonate with people to help them make or make them feel good and make them feel better, positive, uplifting, nourishing information. Yeah. We all need that, especially now. So I yeah. think that's, I'm, I'm glad you took it to video because like you said, more than ever, you know, people are just needing access to these things that they probably can't have access to otherwise like events and things aren't happening at least in Melbourne right now yeah um, and so we need a little bit of a pick-me-up especially after this second lockdown I think yeah. people really needed something to hold on to a bit there exactly so anyone can tune in I do a, I do an Instagram live about once a week on my personal page Tess Shanahan um, and then upload them but yeah if anyone ever has suggestions on topics or speakers they'd like to hear then by all means send them my way 
very open just, to keeping just me in. every week yeah, we could do that I'm sure we'd never run out of things to talk about <laughs> just a constant guest <laughs> we could have a regular maybe we could I know we're thinking about doing a meditation or something at some point yeah we'll do like Oprah and Dr Phil you yeah. know they were they always had a special relationship Yes, yes. I think shoes to fill, but uh, I'm sure we can work from it. You can be the Oprah, I'll be the Phil. <laughs> sure. I've got to dress up though. I've got to really play the part. <laughs> exactly. And in terms of Nicolette, what's going on with that at the moment since I guess a lot of cafes and restaurants are going through a bit of a challenging time at the moment? Is it yeah. Australia-wide though? It's Melbourne and Sydney. Um, Melbourne. Yeah. So, look, we still have <clears throat> all their venue information and data on there. You can still access, you know, what places are doing, take home food and still check out where your favourite places, you know, what, what dietaries they're offering and stuff. But the great thing about it is you also have a personal profile so you can save your favourite venues or, you know, suggestions from your friends so that you don't forget about them. So you could go now and you could create a collection on your profile and you could, you know, save all all the restaurants and cafes that you're really excited to to dive back into when they open up wherever you are in, in Australia. So, yeah, Melbourne and Sydney. So that's what's happening. And then as time goes on, um, our venue partnerships will start to roll out again, which is something we were launching at the start of the year. Um, so official partnerships where where they can reach out to their users and you can favourite your favourite venue and they can send you notifications on special deals or offers. So, um, yeah, there's a lot in it. Yeah. Wow. So much work creating that. I can only imagine. I'm very lucky to have a very talented business partner in the software field. So thank goodness. Thank goodness for him. I've definitely made him work hard. <laughs> you didn't have to do all the coding yourself at least. I, in, in my defence, I did try to learn a little bit. Did you? It didn't go down so well, but I did manage, <laughs> I did manage to make myself the design program. So that was the you know the layout and the design functionality of it but the coding I was like okay no um, I'm gonna leave that to you buddy (laughs) that's still really amazing like I know I made my own website and I'm pretty chuffed about that yeah like that's pretty good especially when you're dealing with little coding and things like it's it's a whole nother it's a whole nother language it'd probably be similar to like learning Chinese or something because you're working with like all different formats and symbols and layouts as opposed to you know horrendous I think that they start learning that in primary school and things now with certain schools I'm pretty sure my niece has coding classes they do can you imagine the superhuman freaks that are going to be coming out in 20 years like (laughs) Coding and training all these crazy technologies and robots and stuff. (laughs) It'll be like the norm to build a robot at home. (laughs) It probably will be. It's crazy. And there I am still not knowing how to work Instagram TV. Tess, what do I do? Is there something I'm supposed to press? How do I end the call? (laughs) (laughs) Not even joking. Well, We'll we'll wrap it up so we'll give you one last question that I think might be um, really good to end on because I have a lot of listeners who I guess um, have lots of ideas and things that they'd like to do, say, for businesses or they're still working that out or whatever it might be. But do you have any tips for anyone who is thinking about beginning or developing maybe a business from an idea that they have currently what they like how did how have you found the confidence to just go through these things because you're a little entrepreneur (laughs) um believe in yourself commit 
But I, I actually interviewed a friend of mine um, called Nick, who was the guy who started Broadsheet. Uh, I interviewed him. Oh, wow. Yeah, last week on Test Talks. And I really loved what he said at the end of the interview, which was keep that laser vision focus, know your why and your mission, and really just stick to it because you will get so many differing opinions. You'll get so much noise from different people. You can have the same conversation with 10 different people and everyone will give you a different point of advice or path or direction you should take with it or a suggestion or whatever it is. So I think just really sticking to what you think is right and obviously being open to the idea of, you know, little things developing and changing as you take it to market or test it. But keep that laser vision focus because you know what's right um, and trust that. And uh, I think that's really important, just really staying focused on your on your key idea and, and, yeah, and have someone, if you can, to keep you kind of accountable um, or, or a, part, a business partner if you can because, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's important to have someone to be able to, throw advice around with and suggestions and just keep that support. If you are doing something solely, it can feel a little um, isolating sometimes. Um, so if you have someone to keep you accountable as well, I think that really helps. Um, but, yeah, trust yourself, laser vision, vision focus. Mm, I love that because I think a lot of us have so many ideas. Like even when you were saying what Niblet does, I was like, surely that's out there already. Like, yeah, it's not. You know, the thing is, we all have these ideas within us, but then we stop ourselves. Or like, oh well, I don't know how to do an app, or mm. I don't know coding, or I don't know how to get it out there. Or maybe you know that person knew someone to help them, or maybe that yeah. person had more money or whatever. Yeah. And we kind of stop the ideas from flourishing into anything from that mindset exactly where you know like you you found someone who knew how to do that bit yeah and you found out what you needed to do and you did it that's the difference and it's just about I think one task at a time if you look at the bigger picture and where you want to go it can seem extremely overwhelming and that still happens to me sometimes but then you just bring it back to okay what's the next step or who do I need to speak to to give me the advice on that part Anything is really possible, but you have to break it down to those individual moments and be like, okay, what's the first next little step? And the other one last thing that was really important for me developing Niblet was simplicity. Um, it's get easy to get caught up and carried away and being like, oh, that would be really cool and that's another great idea to do and that's a great feature or suggestion or um, another area to go. But people get, um, people get overwhelmed easily. And I think, you know, when we launched Niblet, we had quite a lot of different features and we had, you know, a map where you could search and we had, um, you know, a kind of a news feed to see what your friends were eating and whatnot. And there was so much in it. And I'm like, we're kind of actually bypassing our original why here. We really just want to help people with dietaries find good places to eat out. And let's just stick to that focus on that and then add on later as people become more confident with the business with the concept the brand add and give them more but use that as a reward later after they've already gotten that initial why out of it Mm, that's so important too because I know even when I started my business I wanted to be able to do everything Mm -hmm. so I was like oh you know I'm a chiro but I can also do the counseling I can do yoga and I'm a meditation teacher too and yes I I can do card readings and yes I'm that and yes I do that too and I wanted to almost be well for lack of a better word almost like this one-stop 
shop within myself and then I realised, well, people are going to start getting confused about what I'm offering. helping them with yeah. or what I'm offering and then they're like, oh, is this a counselling? Like what, what am I coming here for, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had to learn to kind of, yes, those are all modalities that are, you know, influence the way that I practice and you'll probably get a, a combination of all of those things somewhat mm. in each session. But, you know, it, ultimately the people know why they're there and it's to get, you know, some assistance with their healing in terms of, you know, emotional stress or physical stress, whatever it might be, and that's the why. Not They don't care about all the how yes, a lot of the time. Exactly. Understanding what I'm doing to help them solve the problems that they have. Yes, that's um, it. People or facilitating that. and answer my question and done. And however you do it, that's great. But yeah. <laughs> as long as it's done, I don't care how. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has been lovely having this chat with you. Thanks so much for joining me. I know you're a busy lady, so that's why I just yeah. locked you down during lockdown where I knew that you could go to many places. So oh. I'm like, I'm I'm hunting her down. She can't say no. You got me. I'm around. I'm locked up in my house but staring out at the ocean, so it's really nice. I can't complain. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to chat to you again. I love our conversations every time. I always feel very uplifted. Whatever we talk about. (laughs) Thanks, Tess. All right, everyone, we'll see you on the next episode. And I think I'll upload this pretty quickly, Tess, so I'll let you know, okay? Great. Bye, guys. All right, bye.